Hey guys, it's CS Joseph with csjoseph.life uh, doing another episode. This is a bonus episode. Season 2, episode, I think it's 11? 12? I think it's 11. Uh, I've been meaning to do this episode for a long time, but just didn't really have the opportunity to. But uh, yeah, and I kind of want to just use my phone. I really don't want to use the, the GoPro in this, in this manner. I think the phone's just going to make it a lot easier on me. So, but yeah. Definitely uh, something I want to try out for sure. So awesome. Season 2, episode 11. This is uh, going to be a different lecture. We're going to be talking about uh, how do social moratoriums impact the uh, interaction styles. Wow, I hope the sound's not terrible because it's kind of windy. We'll find out later, right? Oh, look, it's those barking dogs again. My favorite. Gotta love those neighbor dogs. Nice golden retriever. No, 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 actually that's a golden lab. My bad. So anyway, how do social moratoriums impact the interaction styles? Interaction styles, also known as communication styles, according to Dr. Linda Behrens. Got to give credit where it's due. For some reason, people think that I don't, and I don't know why. Shout out to uh, Mr. Jay Ackley for uh, pointing out that I actually do uh, put out sources and cite things sometimes. So thanks, bro. Uh, but beyond that, social moratoriums. So social moratoriums, very interesting approach to things. What is a social moratorium? Where do they come from? A social moratorium is basically something someone uses for, uh, uh, you know, being anonymous. Uh, when there's a social moratorium present, it means that social rules, social etiquette, at least traditional social rules and traditional social etiquette no longer apply, which means when you don't have those pressures, you're not so inhibited. You're not really like inhibited, uh, you know, socially or inhibited by your behavior. It's kind of like um, when you go to church and typically the social rule, you're not allowed to have sex before marriage, is very well enforced in a church. But through a social moratorium, you go to church it's okay to have sex before marriage under the social moratorium, right? So that's just an example of how a social moratorium works mechanically and kind of what it means. Bad example using church and sex, but I don't know. Uh, I've been celibate for uh, many weeks now. So uh, uh, months actually, technically, at this point. So, you know... I guess it's a little on the mind, a little bit more than usual. Kind of weird to like admit that to the audience, but fair enough. Just trying to be focused on business and taking care of some of my other personal responsibilities, if you know what I mean. So anyway, that being said, social moratoriums. <sighs> what is the big, best or biggest example of the social moratorium right now in society? And why is it relevant? Well, the answer to that question is, the internet. The internet is. The internet is and provides the greatest social moratorium. Why is that? Because you have what's called anonymity. Anonymity. Hmm. Yes. Anonymity. Anonymity is everything because that is how you get your social moratorium. If you're able to go into a social situation, kind of like a masquerade, you know what I'm saying? And no, I'm not going to go all vampire, you know, Vampire the Masquerade uh, anime show on this episode, nor am I going to be going Magic the Gathering, Mercadian Masks either. 
kudos to those of you that actually know what that is. Uh, if you don't know, don't feel bad. I won't hold it against you. So, but yeah, it's it really comes down to anonymity. Uh, there's a, a movie, actually, I'm going to be watching it uh, tomorrow night, actually, called Anon, A-N-O-N. It's on Netflix. You need to watch that film because it is the polar opposite of a social moratorium, right? Why is that relevant? Well, when you have types like INTJs, ENTPs, um, INFJs, INFPs, hell, all of the intuitives, honestly, uh, intuitives out of all the types really, really value privacy and social moratoriums provide privacy because privacy actually provides freedom. This is why libertarians, you know, politically speaking, they really like privacy. It means a lot to them. Uh, wow. Sun's going down a little quick. Storm coming in. It's going to be pissing rain like crazy in a minute. You can kind of smell it in the air. You know, you know that smell that comes out right before the rain comes out? Yeah, it's going on. It's going on right now. Love that. I love the rain. Found out from, uh, <laughs> from uh, someone close to me a long time ago. Oh, yeah, you're a pluviophile, which basically means lover of rain. So I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. Uh, definitely not going to be denying that one. So but anyway, um, so anonymity. So the movie and on, it's a fantastic film. It's about a surveillance society, the polar opposite of uh, a social moratorium. And the main character is an INTJ who figures out how to create a social moratorium as a result of manipulating technology such that her privacy is absolutely protected. And it's a fantastic film. Uh, I highly recommend uh, anyone, especially INTJs, ENTPs, or any NT for the, for the matter, watch that film. It's got Clive Owen in it. That guy's dope. So he could have been James Bond, but then, you know, Daniel Craig showed up and uh, he didn't, he wasn't James Bond anymore. So fair enough. But, uh, but yeah, so social moratorium, it's all about having that anonymity and in this uh, film, she finds a way to create absolute anonymity, whereas everyone else's society is basically monitored. It's like super mega 1984. It's, in my opinion, worse than 1984, like absolutely terrible in 1984. And, uh, you know, so within the context of this film, you can just kind of like map it to our society and where it is right now. Societally speaking, well, <laughs> Not exactly, uh, not exactly the best situation, because within our society, while we can have some time, you know, we can we can have our privacy protected, you know, and, and uh, anonymity maintained, and like that's kind of one of the main basic tenets of you know the United States of America, given that it is technically a constitutional right to, to privacy, in some cases, and it is consistently infringed all the time. It's only a matter of time before right to privacy is completely thrown in the dumpster let's be honest because it all comes it all stems from the premise you know hey you have nothing to worry about if you have nothing to hide which quite frankly is well that's a very totalitarian point of view it's a very authoritarian point of view so even in an sj society that's very authoritarian uh Shout out to the guy who separated the temperaments based on authoritarian left and right and libertarian left on right. That was excellent. I really enjoyed that. So keep that coming. 
Uh, those of you in the audience who are participating in the comments of YouTube, yes, I read every freaking comment. I may not read all the replies, but fresh comments I do read. So, and if I heart your, uh, your comment, that basically is me marking it as read so that you understand that I actually read that. So, and I spent literally two hours on YouTube comments uh, recently. So just understand uh, it is a priority for me. So, but yeah, social moratoriums, uh, anonymity, anonymity, why? Because of privacy, privacy is everything. You know, when you live in a small town, you go to a church, kind of like I did growing up, there's not very much privacy because everyone knows each other. It's especially worse if you were in like a cult, like I was, I was in a cult. And from a cult standpoint, good luck, good luck. It's even worse from a cult standpoint because everyone just knows you. Everyone understands you for the most part. They've been observing you, you know, there's no privacy. And then as a result, that cult or that culture, basically, that, uh, that rules uh, that situation, because there's a lack of privacy, the social rules of that cult or that culture is what is dominant. And every human being who participates has no choice but to participate in that culture, right? So what this means is, is that people's interaction styles can change. Why? Well, because in those situations, sometimes people like putting a face on, sometimes people like putting a mask on. I know I do it all the time, I'm an ENTP. If you don't know anything about ENTPs putting masks on and being insincere, I recommend you watch season seven. I think it's episode eight or seven. Season seven, episode seven, I think. Uh, the virtue and vice of the ENTPs really goes into this very much in depth. Um, but basically, I put on a mask in every single social situation. I am not the same person with every single human being that I meet, except for those closest to me. Those who are absolutely closest to me, especially like the woman with which my heart belongs, with whom my heart belongs, I am actually me around her, and, uh, but I am not really me around anyone else. I wear a mask for literally everyone because the problem is, is I have TI parent and I just tell the truth to people, which is very off-putting, right? But in the context of a social moratorium, I don't have to wear that mask. What happens to me mechanically when I'm wearing that mask? It's a cognitive transition. If you don't know what a cognitive transition is, it's in season one, I explain cognitive transitions, but a cognitive transition is basically when you shift or adjust your personality such that you end up going into your subconscious or your unconscious or your, even your superego side of your mind to deal with a certain situation or a certain social happening or an event or, or whatever. Um, but it's really you adjusting your personality for a finite amount of time such that you're really changing the social dynamics because you're trying to hide something, right? Or you're trying to, because you know that fellow human beings around you, if you just behave the way that you would behave normally, they wouldn't like you. They would judge you, right? They would want you to, be, to behave differently. They would want you to follow the social rules of the cult or the culture, basically, right? And that's, that's where the internet comes into play because the internet has its own culture. It has its own cultural rules because anyone can be anonymous and because there is no guarantee that you would absolutely know anybody on the internet, as I recently found out in a very big and painful way in my life, but it is what it is. Um, as a result of that, you just don't know people. You just don't know people 
on the internet because of that layer of anonymity. And anonymity goes even further and it creates this social moratorium where you don't really have to cognitive transition. You can actually technically be yourself if you wanted to, or you could transition to the other sides of your mind and play with other interaction styles and other temperaments and be someone completely different and actually utilize the social moratorium of the internet to develop the other sides of your mind. Be like, well, on this forum, I'm gonna behave like my, my ESFP subconscious or, or on this forum over here, I'm gonna behave like my ENTJ uh, uh, shadow or unconscious, right? Or I'm gonna be an INFP subconscious over here and you're literally able to utilize the internet to develop the other sides of your mind, specifically because there's a social moratorium. You could be anyone you want. You can even pretend to be someone else of the, of the opposite gender. Um, another example of this in popular culture is the book and the movie called Ready Player One. Uh, talks about a technology known as the Oasis, which is very similar to the internet, except it's like the internet uh, all-encompassing MMORPG but it's like a virtual reality and whatnot. If you haven't seen that film, like, are you alive? Maybe you should see that film. I recommend it. Um, very amazing film. But yeah, like, there's also that social moratorium. We just don't really know who's who. And actually one of the characters um, uh, who plays a male character is actually a female character. It's actually a female in real life and you don't even know, right? And uh, it's always uh, interesting. <laughs> very interesting to actually, you know, see that, you know, and then you also get the stories of people getting catfished, for example, you know, that's, that's, that sucks. That's a thing, right? So in those situations, what do you do? You know, what do you, um, how, how do you, how do you utilize that to your advantage? Well, you participate in the freaking social moratorium yourself, right? Add that layer, utilize that layer of anonymity, utilize that layer of privacy, you know, and then you can develop the other sides of your mind. So when you're interacting with somebody online, just, be re just realize that some people are doing this, right? It's really important that you understand this because if you're trying to type somebody on the internet, chances are that's not really like what their actual type is, right? Because for example, like when we're on our Discord server, right? You have people who are typically behind the scenes like INFPs, but then all of a sudden, you know, you force them in an extroverted situation where Discord voice chat on the CS Joseph Discord server, and there's like 20 people in there and they're all trying to type each other and whatnot, and someone's trying to type this INFP. We know they're introverted, right? Because they're responding, but they're kind of behaving like an NFJ because they've cognitive transitioned into their ENFJ uh, unconscious specifically because their SI child is uncomfortable in the situation, uncomfortable in that social situation because they're behind the scenes and all of a sudden they're the focus or the focal point of everyone's attention in that voice chat room. So then everyone in the room mistypes them to INFJ. You see what I'm saying, right? You guys have to understand how social moratoriums impact the interaction styles. It's a problem, it's an issue, okay? So how do you verify all this? Well, what I like to do, and especially with my, with my coaching sessions, what I like to do is bring people into a Zoom conference where it's just one-on-one -on -one and I can see like the real them basically and you know, have that uh, video chat going and I can actually see their face, you know, how they dress, all, all that information is very important when I'm typing somebody, et cetera, and we're just able to make that happen, right? It, uh, 
it, it's useful. But you know, all of that goes away even on Discord because still they have that social moratorium because you're not actually able to physically see them, right? And then they can cognitive transition. That's not to say that there's still situations where people are kind of really intimidated by me on coaching sessions and then they cognitive transition and it, and it like messes up their results, you know? And then it's like, oh, I'm at risk of mistyping them. Of course, if that ever happens, I just schedule a new session with them for free and then we just verify, verify, verify until we figured it out. That's only, I think, I think it's only happened like twice uh, so far. But for the most part, everyone just, you know, understand how social moratoriums can really impact things because you just don't know who you're talking to. You don't know who they're, who they're pretending to be. You don't know if they're doing uh, cognitive emulation with their cognitive functions. You don't know if they're in a different side of their mind. Uh, you don't know if they're trying to social engineer you. You just don't know because the social moratorium provided by the internet, given the anonymity, given the privacy that is provided and afforded to people through the internet, it changes things from a cognitive standpoint, right? So anyway, I think I've hammered this pretty well. This is a, a shorter episode, but I just wanted to get it out of the way because it's something I've been planning to do for a while. Um, but yeah, what other, I'd like to ask the audience though, like, so what other social moratoriums uh, or even anti-social moratoriums uh, exist? I mean, I, I talk about, you know, from my own experience, my own anecdotal evidence all the time, right? And for me, it's like, okay, you know, church, being in a church cult or church culture, et cetera, small town culture, everyone knows each other. You know, that can be a good thing, that can be a bad thing. It's probably a very good thing for people who are affiliative within their, uh, within their temperaments because it's like, oh, we're just going to force everybody to do the right thing. And then pragmatic people like me suffer because we're just trying to do things that do what works and then all of a sudden we get judged for not doing the right thing. Let me tell you something, folks. I don't give a damn about doing the right thing. I only care about doing what works. That's why when people who are so off-put by me because, oh my gosh, that guy is so mean. No, I'm just telling you the truth. But you're hurting my feelings. It's not my fault the truth hurts your feelings. That's actually your fault, not mine. Figure it out, right? That's not to say that you can't get in my face and criticize me and tell me how I'm doing things wrong because guess what? You know what I'm going to do? I'm actually going to listen to you. I'm actually going to hear you out. I'm actually going to think to myself, wow, they might be right. Maybe their criticisms of me are correct. And then I'll think about it. And if they are correct, I'll take responsibility for my actions. If they're not correct, I'll call them out. And then after doing that self-evaluation, that self-analysis, then I'll start judging them. People, you need to stop judging people when they're trying to argue with you. Look at their argument first. Don't judge the man until after you've judged their argument. Figure that out. It's really annoying. But for some reason, SJs and NFs, those two temperaments, idealists and uh, traditionalists, guardians, <laughs> they're really, really quick to judge the man first, especially STJs and NFPs. They're really quick to judge the man instead of actually looking at their arguments. It's really frustrating, right? Well, social moratoriums, right? get in the way of that, which is nice. So, but think about it, there's also anti-social moratoriums. We have situations where it's socially controlled, it's socially locked down, and where people who may not be affiliative in that situation, who may be pragmatic, will end up feeling like their freedom is just, you know, removed. This is why you have those, you know, pragmatic people, especially like ESFPs, ESTPs, 
or, or even INTJs and ENTJs, they want to escape that small town culture because it's just so obnoxious to them. It's so toxic to them. It's so noxious, you know? It, it's, it's horrible. It's literally poison to their soul because it's like, I'm not growing. I can't be who I am in this society. And that's probably another reason. It, it even happens in their own families. Good luck having a social moratorium to provide that anonymity or that privacy needed for pragmatics, uh, aka artisans and intellectuals, to actually grow within the context of their family. Because if their family is not already predominantly a pragmatic uh, temperament, for how, like, for example, if like you know the man in the house, you know, if he's not pragmatic and running his family from a from a pragmatic point of view. Um, the, uh, you know, the affiliates will suffer in that situation, but then the pragmatists will suffer. And that's why all too often children are trying to get away from their families because they can't be who they are within the context of their family. Do you know how I know? That's how it was for me. My mother, she's an ISFJ. She's affiliative. My father, he's an ENFJ. He's affiliative. My sister is an ESFJ. She's affiliative. They're all affiliative. I cannot be who I am in the context of my own family because they're all so focused on doing the right thing. And I'll say it again, I don't give a damn about doing the right thing. I don't care. I've never cared. I will never care. At least my ego won't. My subconscious does. My subconscious is affiliative. It's an ISFJ. It cares about doing the right thing. Sure. And it does do the right thing, but only in the context of like maybe one, two, three, four people. It'll do the right thing for my children. It'll do the right thing for the woman that I love, right? But in terms of everybody else in my life, yeah, it would do that for my executive team. It would do that for my business. It would do that for the people that I'm loyal to, right? Because ISFJ subconscious is very loyal. So, of course, I do the right thing for those people. But everybody else in general, am I going to do that? No, I'm going to be pragmatic because it's who I am. It's what I am. And you know what? In the context of family, I didn't have that social moratorium. I didn't have that anonymity. I didn't have that privacy in my family. And as a result of that, I was cognitive transitioned basically my entire upbringing and my entire young adulthood. That's why I thought I was an INTJ for so long. And it wasn't until I had basically all of my belief systems, everything I thought or, or thought I knew ripped away from me in like one night basically well, not really one night, but over a, a period of time, but it came to a head one night where I literally was a tabula rasa. I literally had a clean slate. Everything I knew was gone. I was my own person, finally, at last, right? Well, you can have that experience too. You could do that too. But, you know, this is why children oftentimes have to get away from their family because the overarching culture within the context of their family is not giving them enough privacy because guess what people human beings need privacy to grow i don't care if you're authoritarian i don't care if you're affiliative people need privacy to grow you want to cause you want to cause society to stop growing and become stagnant you start telling everyone well if you have nothing to hide it's okay we can check then if you have nothing to hide yeah yeah that's real nice you get those authoritarian gray hairs and government talking about that when they're screaming out Patriot Act crap, you know, after 9-11 or whatever. Like, seriously? Benjamin Franklin said, if you're willing to trade freedom for security, you, desire, you deserve neither. Oh, wait, that guy's an ENTP like me. Oh, it makes sense. It makes sense. Guys, stop. It's like, seriously, stop. Get in your heads. Support 
social moratoriums, support anonymity, support privacy. If you want things to grow, you need privacy. Oh, but it causes great risk. You know, you don't know if someone's going to make a bomb. You don't know if someone's going to be a terrorist or whatever. Yeah, but the thing is, is if you allow all of society to grow, the majority of people out there are actually good people and they kind of like, you know, outnumber the bad people, which means the bad people would end up being squelched by the fact that the rest of society is actually growing for once, especially mentally. So like, keep track of that. Very important that we uh, continue to do that. So anyway, I think I've beat this dead horse uh, long enough. So if you found this lecture useful, helpful, educational, enlightening, Please uh, subscribe to the channel here on YouTube and uh, hit a like while you're at it. Um, that would be uh, fantastic. Um, also, if you want to support us, uh, please uh, become a subscriber on Patreon. That would be fantastic as well. I'll see you guys tonight because I got many more to film. Talk to you all later.